Hey, what's up, everybody? We are super stoked to announce MXU Teams. What's MXU Teams, you ask? Well, here's what you need to know. MXU Teams gets you unlimited access with unlimited users to our world-class production content, MXU Now. You'll also receive exclusive access to the new MXU Now user interface designed with you and your team in mind. This is where you can manage your team, roster them, Eventually, you're going to be able to do a lot of amazing things like check their progress, create playlists for them, checklists for your team, lots of other goodies like that. You're also going to get an exclusive invitation to the MXU Slack workspace. This is a spot where you can find community from other people like yourself and get advice from them and all of our team, myself and Jeff included, and other church production leaders just like you. We talk about audio, we talk about video, lighting, and a lot of barbecue. So, don't wait too long. MXU Teams, 30 days for free. Sign up now on our website. You are now entering the MXU podcast. No credentials required. Well, hey, everybody. Welcome to episode 40 of the MXU podcast. I'm here with my good friend, Lee Fields, as always. And we are joined today by Todd Elliott from Philo. Many of you know about the MXU and Philo partnership over the years, and we're just Grateful for Todd and what his team is doing, but we're really excited to have you here today on the podcast just to kind of spend an hour with us talking about everything about Philo and um, also your new book, which is hot off the presses. And so we're really ready for a great conversation. Thanks for being nice. here, Todd. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, it's great to see you guys. Todd, your video, your video looks spectacular. Oh, thank you. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, yeah, just trying to keep up with uh, the online world we live in are you using one of those fancy chromebooks or is it like (laughs) (laughs) totally yeah actually it turns out just having a camera at eye level is is uh you know helps a bunch well yeah you're right (laughs) as mxu switches to google classroom we'll uh make sure to upgrade all of our technology (laughs) yeah Yeah. i can't tell you how many phone calls i've been on and i'm like okay hey guys hold on i'll call you right back and then i have to go fix zoom for a kid and then come back. Right. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I'm so glad that I don't have kids in school right now. I can't imagine how you guys are doing it. Yeah. It. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's funny. Know. My, uh, my eighth grader turned 14 today. Oh, nice. And, uh, she's in school in person. So oh, really? they had, they had, they started this week. They had two half days, Monday and Tuesday. And now today they are starting there all day five days a week in person. So we'll see how long that lasts. Yeah. I have no comment. Yeah. Carolina's already haven't a couple of their universities sent people home already. Yeah. Yeah. It's coming. Okay. So Todd, anyway, (laughs) uh, it's pretty cool that you're on here. I may have told you this before, but we're friends now. So it's not, this isn't really something you say to your friends, but (laughs) Like 10, no, I guess more than that, like 13 years ago or so when I okay. first started working in church, I didn't know what mega church was. I remember getting a church production magazine handed to me <laughs> at the small church I worked at in Knoxville. Uh-huh. And it wasn't like, hey, you should learn this. It was just like, oh, hey, the sound guy might want this one. Sure, you know? right. And this church on the front of it, it was like, what is this? And it was a picture of North Point in their auditorium. Okay. So I'm reading through there and then I'm looking at ads, you know, and I turn a page and there's an ad for a company called Acoustic Dimensions. Oh, right. Uh-huh. And the ad was Willow Creek. Okay. And the new auditorium. 
Right, sure. Then I really went, what is that? <laughs> so then I like start Googling. I'm like, Willow Creek. And then your name pops up, right? And then yeah. Twitter is around at the time. I don't I don't even think Facebook was what it what it was. Right. But I like start following you or something and then ended up at a trade show and met you. It meeting you, dude, was like it was like meeting Peyton Manning of the church tech world. You were like the goat. Yeah. And then you met me and realized it wasn't. No, then I became friends thought. with you and I thought, oh, now I'm cool because Todd knows me. Yeah, nice. That's, that's funny. That's actually that's how great. it went down. So you have uh, an extensive background in church. So before that, I know because we're friends now, you were at a church in Michigan. Yep. And yeah. then you ended up at Willow Creek. Yeah. Yep. So I was, uh, I worked at a church as a volunteer and then as a staff person for maybe, a, uh, I was on staff for about 11 years there. Um, so went from meeting in a high school, only tech person, mostly focused on audio myself. And then by the time I was done, you know, a couple campuses and, um, a staff of tech people. And then, um, yeah, uh, it's a long story, but ended up at Willow Creek and was there for about 11 years. So, uh, led the team for part of that time and yeah, it's quite a run. So I, uh, I'm six years actually into this Philo thing, which is terrifying to think of, well, not terrifying, but just hard to believe that it's yeah. been that long. And, uh, yeah, so I got five more years, I guess. And then on to the next thing, <laughs> hit, hit 11 years and then <laughs> yeah. bounce, I guess. It's hard to believe that it's been six years already. I know. You know, we, um, I guess it was, gosh, 2013, I can't remember if it was the 2013 or the 2015 iteration of the Tomlin Tour where you and I interacted at Willow because Chris was there right. to to do a, a concert. And it was kind of, it was one of the first times Willow had hosted an outside event. Right. And so it was really exciting for us and it was new for you guys, but you right. and I got to connect on a, on a different level. And you yeah. were, you know, you guys had done the gurus of tech conferences right. yeah. at Willow and then you were kind of transitioning toward doing Philo full time. And so, you know, getting to know you that well during that transition, I I always respected just the way the way you managed that and the way you handled it, but how effective it's been. I uh, mean, the the Philo tribe, you know, we've kind of traveled parallel paths a little bit between sure. Philo and MXU and just how how the tribe has been helped so much by what you guys are offering. We're mm. just we're always glad to be a part of what you're doing yeah. and just we're big fans. So talk a little bit though about the about the move from from Willow to kind of doing your own thing. Cause you were, you know, twenty-two years or so full-time church staff right. between the two churches. That's a big that's a big leap of faith to just go, hey, I think I've got something that these people are going to want to continue to engage with and let's go. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh yeah, I wish it were that simple. Uh the, the reality was that I woke up one day and I just didn't want to go to work, which I've been preaching to my kids since they could uh, listen to me and roll their eyes uh, when their dad talks to them, uh, <laughs> which is basically, hey, let's find the thing you love to do and figure out how you can make a, a lifetime career out of that. So yeah, let's just pay attention to your interests. And yeah. the reality was I was not living that. Uh, at, you know, I just woke up thinking I don't really like my job and this, so I need to figure out what's going on. 
if I want to be truthful to my kids, you know, if I want them to listen to me, I need to be mm-hmm. living this out. And so just, I did a lot of, uh, soul searching and just figured out, you know what, my, I think my time is, uh, is, has come at will. Like my, I'm, uh, I don't fit in here anymore and it's not good or bad. It's just the reality. And I had no plans. I just knew that this is not where I need to be, uh, which you can imagine for someone doing gurus of tech and loving, you know, the, the community of technical artists, I felt like if I'm not the main guy at Willow Creek, I've got no legs to stand on. I have no platform to continue on uh, speaking into this community. Uh, but really felt like God saying, you know what? Do you trust me that I can that I'm bigger than this job and all the other things you're worried about? And my initial response was, no, I don't think so. Um, <laughs> and so it took me a couple months to to get to the place where like, all right, I mean, I. F- I felt like I needed to leave a leave a hole in my life, you know, just like leave this and then I will fill it with something. That's kind of what I felt like God was saying. But what it was, I had no idea. So when I in, that was in 2014 um that I uh yeah, stepped away and actually uh leave we've talked about this a couple of times, but you were part of that journey with me where I was sort of like I feel like it's time to leave but I don't know what to do, but I'm thinking about this thing, which we did not call Philo at the time, but I mean, maybe I could do that. And um, yeah, you were super supportive and kind of pointed me towards a couple people to connect with about the idea. And yeah, I remember where I was sitting sort of pace. Well, then I got up and was pacing back and forth. Just uh, <laughs> like, what yeah. am I doing? This is insane. But yeah, you were great in that conversation, Lee, way back in in those days. Yeah. So I quit my job and uh, that's had good, no idea. I was so drunk that day. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny. Yeah. Well, it paid off. So I'm just kidding. No, but yeah, I, I mean, it. I can't imagine what that felt like. And how old were your kids at the time? Oh gosh. Uh, so that was 2015. Is that what I just said? So I had a son graduating from high school that spring. Yeah. No, no, that was he was going into his senior year. So, uh, in 2014, he was graduating as a junior. So then I had, my daughter was a sophomore and I had a son in middle school and yeah. yeah so, so it's pretty much the time when everyone says, don't change too much about <laughs> don't your Don't make any big right, moves. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so the only thing I did know was that like, I told my wife, you know, kind of like, Hey, let's get ready to move. Maybe. I don't know. Um, but yeah, we were kind of, and I honestly, it, when I announced I was leaving my job to my team and everything, I was going to stick around for a couple more months just to finish off a couple of things. And so I thought in the, in that time frame that something would come up Yeah, um, and nothing really did. So. And now, <laughs> and now you're setting in the Philo offices. Yeah. Now I'm actually, yeah, I'm at the Philo office. Yeah. Who knew? crazy. Wow. That's pretty Six awesome. Six years later. And I think, uh, Jeff, you, that, uh, the thing you were talking about with us, I think was 2015 when yeah. you were coming to, um, uh, to Willow Creek. And I said, Hey, can you come an extra day and we'll like hang out and talk about this Philo idea? Um, and so, um, I think it was 2015. Yeah. I remember we went to a pretty cool coffee shop and I thought, all right, this all right. is, <laughs> this is good. And, you know, it's funny because at the time I had just sort of developed the early stages of thinking about Sonnet House, which 
involved kind of the right. the coaching and a lot of the leadership type stuff that has become part of MXU. So yeah, that you know again tracking along parallel paths, it was like okay, how can we how can we talk about trying to help this tribe of as you say technical artists not only be great at what they do but also get better at who they are and how they lead and you know personal leadership and family and all that stuff so um it's it's really it's really cool and the, the tough thing I, I know it must have been tough for you is you know especially gurus of tech it was thriving like yeah, that conference yeah. at willow had grown from a couple hundred people to several thousand yeah and you just you had the sort of confidence to go yeah <laughs> in spite of that i think it's time to leave that's yeah. that's pretty that's pretty bold yeah yeah i mean it was uh, like i'm not i'm a tech guy so i like i don't have feelings generally and uh <laughs> i'm and so and you know spiritual things they're hard to understand so i don't really i'm not i wouldn't call myself an overly spiritual person but that there've been a couple times in my life that god really showed up in ways unlike my normal life. And, uh, yeah, I, I felt so confident that, yeah, this is something God is calling me to. Uh, to, And what it was, I was to nothingness, really a big giant void. Um, but I felt like, okay, God can be trusted and I'm going to, I'm going to take a step. Um, and so, yeah, so I did. And I would That's say really too, cool. the, the thing that really pushed me over the edge, uh, about, you know, starting to really work hard on Philo was that I was sitting in a, uh, listening to Louis Giglio talk, uh, from Passion City Church. And he was talking about climbing the Matterhorn it was his whole message was kind of wrapped around him climbing the Matterhorn, uh, which is a giant, uh, I was going to say hill in Europe, but it's a mountain. Uh, and he's like, I'm not a mountain climber. I have no idea what I'm doing. I don't know how to climb mountains, but I do know that I can take the step that's right in front of me. I can see the step in front of me. And so if I just keep putting those together, that I will reach the summit. And so it was, it was one of those things that Philo didn't have a name, but what, whatever that was, I'm like, that feels too big. Yeah. I, I can't figure that out. So well, especially I, when the first step is quit your job. Right. Well, the be- <laughs> the good part at that point is I'd already done that. You okay. know? So yeah, check. Yeah, quit the job. But then okay, there's some people I could talk to or potential sponsors I could reach out to. You know, I knew there were a couple little steps. Mm-hmm. And then I just felt like, you know what? I'm gonna try this. And if it bombs, then I'll do something else. But if I don't try it, I'll never know. So that's great. Um yeah. It is okay, great. so let's back up. Let's back up a little bit because some of our listeners might have been living under a rock for the last six years. <laughs> Tell everybody quickly what Philo is, what you guys do, what the conference is all about, like you know, and then what else you're offering in addition to just the conference. Yeah. So what is Philo? So we kind of uh, it stands for first in, last out, which is just something that is a phrase that feels very uh, familiar to most tech people, especially that work in the local church. You're, you're there before everybody, you leave after everybody's gone. I mean, it's just the way we live. Well, that was the name of your blog a few years right. before also. Yep. yep. So it had been in my mind for quite some time. It's funny, the, when we sat down to come up with the name of the conference, you know, what are we going to call this thing? Because we knew we couldn't call it Gurus of Tech. Uh, so we needed to come up with a new name and I spent, I figured this is going to be like a, an, 
the whole meeting is going to be taken up by this. And I think in five minutes we had decided what the name was going to be. So that was like, Hey, your blog's titled this. Let's call it that. Yeah. Anyway. um, And our goal is really to help tech people in the local church become more effective with the end goal of their churches being more effective. Like if you're an effective tech person, if you do your job well, if you're an effective human being, uh, then you're going to do, you're going to serve better at your church, which then makes your church more effective at reaching lost people, serving the community, whatever. So that's really our goal. That's great. Um, and so kind of, we do, we are, we've, we do that by the conference. That's kind of how we started. Uh, we started as a one day event for, we did it four times in the first year, uh, four different locations, uh, which was insane. As you guys know, like from the events you do what one day all over the place. Yeah. It's yeah. Uh, logistics are uh, quite fun. And I, you know what, I don't know for you guys, I went from being a tech person, which was somebody else has the ideas and I will execute them. Tell me what they are. I will make it happen. I don't care if it works. I don't, if I don't necessarily care if it's the right idea, I'm just going to execute what you're telling me. Well, okay. Now I'm the one who like, I'm selling the tickets and I'm figuring out the content and I'm pulling it off. Yeah. It was like a, it, it was a, such an eye opener to me for what senior pastors put you know, have to deal with that I never thought of as a tech person. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, just the pressures that are involved with doing anything. Um, yeah. So anyway, uh, that's sort of a rabbit trail, but the, uh, so we do uh, the conference, which is a two day event, uh, has traditionally been a two day event uh, that we did once a year in Chicago. Uh, we're, you know, like everybody else trying to figure out what are we, what is that mean for us now. Uh, so we're still trying to figure that out this year. This past year, we did it all online. Uh, in fact, we're getting ready to do a Spanish version. So nice. all Espanol uh, in a couple weeks, actually. So we're rebroadcasting some stuff. We're Spanish subtitles. We're overdubbing some things, doing some new content. Uh, so that should be interesting. Uh, very exciting. Um, a lot of we have, you know, seeing people buying tickets from Bolivia and Colombia and wow, that's awesome. Uruguay, yeah, it's cool. That's really cool. Yeah, and then uh, so then we also we have a file of podcasts, so it's a, just a, a way to have conversations with people about the the content that matters to all of us. And um, what else? We have resources, so breakouts and past uh, main session talks and things like that on our website. Um, and we do some coaching, which is, you know, just go to churches and help their teams or individuals get better. And we do some staffing work, which connecting the right tech person with the right church to try to, uh, you know, churches that are looking and tech people looking for the next step in their journey. And then, uh, I guess the last thing is the book. Yeah. So just one of our resources, uh, uh, like a owner's manual on how to be a tech person in the local church. So, okay. Well, perfect segue. Cause I got yeah. some questions <laughs> about that book. All right. So first of all, any of our listeners who don't know about the book or don't have the book, you're stupid if you don't buy it and read it. <laughs> um, but the best thing about the book to me is the title. So let's talk about the title just for a second. Okay. It's called, I love Jesus, but I hate Christmas. <laughs> and so many 
church tech folks resonate with that sentiment. So tell me where the title came from. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it is so funny. Uh, it does resonate. I mean, if you're a tech person in the church, you totally understand it. If you're not, you think it's a book about Christmas. You know, if you're just an average person. Um, and uh, I've gotten a lot of comments about, well, I love Christmas. I don't know what your problem is. I'm like, you obviously don't understand what I'm talking about. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, like all of us, we, you know, you work so hard for Christmas. By the time it comes around, you're just like, I never want to talk about Christmas. I don't want to hear a Christmas carol. I just want to crawl into a hole just because we've kind of overextended ourselves or, yeah, we're worn out. And so the book title really came from a joke. Uh, so this is maybe back in 2002. I uh, was working at Kensington Church in Michigan, and uh, we were doing a staff Christmas party. And there was one group that was kind of responsible for the fun that we were going to have, you know, the program of the staff Christmas party. And they had come up with this idea of fictional book titles that people on staff had written. So they would go through all the different staff categories, you know, hey, so and so in children's ministry wrote a book. And here's the title, you know, yeah, I, I couldn't tell you what they were, but they, you know, they were funny, whatever. And then, uh, they said, okay, so Todd Elliott wrote a book and it's called, I love Jesus, but I hate Christmas. And <laughs> they actually had a physical book that they had like, uh, done a color copy and, you know, taped it to the outside of the book. I still have it actually. Anyway, got a huge laugh from everybody. And, um, yeah, it just, since then it has. Yeah, it resonated back then and resonates now. And I so I reached out to him. Honestly, the book did not have a title uh, right up until the moment where we had to pick one uh, because I just wasn't sure if it was the right one or not. But I reached out to this friend of mine and said, hey, do you mind if I steal that book uh, title idea because it's so good? So actually, we just sent him a copy of it. So he has uh, the real the real copy now. Nice. Love it. Yeah. Uh, so this year, you know, we're in, we're in Corona COVID-19 world and you know, it's August right now. Yeah. So we're, we had our first Christmas planning meeting yesterday. Okay. And I think I'm going to love Christmas this year. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we're for sure not meeting in person. It's going to okay. be, you know, we're going to broadcast some different types of events, you know, each night of the week, probably the week of okay. Christmas or something like that. But what that means is we can shoot that in November. Right. Yeah. And or I earlier. Can, yeah. I think we're yeah. all going to be sitting at home the week of Christmas. That's so great. I know. First time ever. It's like you said, like you're at the church on Christmas Eve past midnight. I know I have been the last, you know, 10 years. Right. And then kids are up at 545, 6 a.m. Little kids. Yeah. And then I'm like not happy, you know, not yeah. as happy as I should be. <laughs> and then I'm just staring at my watch like, okay, two and a half more hours and I can go take a nap. Right, right. And then it's that nap where you sleep for four hours and you wake up more pissed off. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you're like, no. Don't even know what day it is. No, and you're just like, yeah. Then you, you know, you're just getting weird looks from the family all day and extended family you haven't seen. And I'm wearing pajamas all day. Yeah. It's yeah. just not fun. I mean, I'm... I am not human on Christmas morning. Yeah. It's just like I'm a shell of a human uh, after that effort. And yeah. yeah, it's, man, I can remember one time, this is an Easter, so similar vibe, but, you know, not quite the, the same. But after an Easter stretch, I, um, you know, rehearsing late, I was the lighting 
person at the time. And so I, you know, the lighting guy is always staying up all night, you know, once rehearsals are done to finish the programming or whatever. And so that was me. Anyway, I told my wife, Hey, I'm going to fall asleep at random times during, throughout the day. Like, don't stop or be quiet. You know, the kids can run around. I just know that I'm going to fall, you know, just, I'm going to lay down, take a 10 minute nap, wake up, but keep making noise and don't yeah. stop because of me. And she had music blasting. Maybe she was, uh, you know, cleaning the house or something. And a song came on that was from our Easter program. <laughs> and I like jumped you out of bed. woke up in a cold sweat. And I'm like, no! <laughs> yeah, I ran downstairs, like I threw the CD out the window or something. Like, we're never listening to this again. Oh my gosh. Yeah. That's funny. Okay, so let's talk about some of the stuff in your book. Yeah. So uh, Jeff and I wrote down some uh, some topics that you talk about in your oh, book nice. and some questions okay. we have already. So All right. I love how you laid the book out, by the way. It's like, it's oh, cool. basically three parts. And it's because if you just wrote, well, I think you could have wrote a book on each one of those parts, right? Right. So yeah. you have, yeah. it opens with like, what what is this thing that we do? It's right. And you split it in art and technical right and then there's a chapter in there called uh in the beginning yeah and the first thing i thought of was you specifically because you spent so much time at willow creek and when i think of art and the church and church production they were really the first ones to bring that to culture right and the church culture so you were there so you weren't there in the 90s when it all started or i guess the 80s even is when they they really started that Right. But even in the early 2000s, there weren't a ton of churches doing what they were doing still. Right. Yeah. So, yeah, so true. Talk to us about that, like art in the church, you know, hiring a technical staff that needed to be artistic and, and that balance. Yeah. I mean, it really, yeah, for me. So the church that I was working at in Michigan, when uh, we were all talking about, hey, let's start a church, I was kind of on the outside edge of that group. And they're like, yeah, it's going to be a Willow Creek style church. And, you know, back in the in 1989 or 88 or something like that, I'm like, I don't even know what you're talking about. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, yeah. So, I mean, we we one night on a, on a Wednesday afternoon, I was home from college on a break. They're like, hey, we're going to drive to Willow Creek uh, for to watch a service. I'm like, well, I got nothing going on. So we pile in this van conversion. You remember those? I don't even know if they still make them, you know, with the plush seats and the fold out bed and all this stuff. We drove, maybe six of us, drove from Detroit to Chicago, watched a midweek service, and then drove back. Yeah. Wow. And it totally blew my mind, you know, just to see lights getting used that way, to hear a I mean, even a full band, you know, with guitars and drums. I mean, that was like not a normal church thing. Um, there was no, I don't think there was video at the time in the eighties, probably not. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it just totally rocked my world on what, what you could do with technology in the local church. And so, yeah, we started that, uh, Kensington church in 1990 and yeah, 30 years ago coming up, uh, in a couple of weeks. And yeah, just like a way to reach our friends. And we had some guys that were mixing audio when I, uh, I would sort of come in and out, uh, from college as a volunteer and they knew everything there was to know technically about the gear, how it worked, how to plug it in, why it wasn't working, you know, all that stuff. 
but they could not mix themselves out of a hole in the ground. You know, they just did not have an ear for music. And so when I would come back, there would be like a vocalist would be mixing front of house, Hmm. like somebody who has no idea what they're doing, but they know what music should sound like. And so there would be one of those, you know, very technical people there to make sure nothing went wrong, but somebody else is doing the mixing. And so uh, just now that I'm talking about it, just seeing that, I mean, both, both people, uh, you know, the church needs both people and they're both, you know, in the book, I talk about expanding what you consider an artist, that the person who knows how the gear works is an artist of Mm. understanding and fixing and, you know, the, the detail stuff of what's going on there. And you can't, you know, you can't have a PA working without somebody as an, and I mean, I would say even for you guys being on tour and all that stuff, you know, who your go-to artist, you know, engineer people are, you know, that mm-hmm. do that really well. Um, but then you also, they are also not necessarily the right person to mix the music part of it. And so, right. um, yeah, for me, it, it, uh, yeah, it was a lot about thinking, okay, just cause you understand how the soundboard works doesn't mean you should sit, be sitting behind it. That's that will preach that yeah. we just need to pause there so people <laughs> yeah. can kind of take that in for a minute. <laughs> That's really good. So that brings me to kind of the next point that we want to talk about, because I think one of the things that resonates with you and with MXU so much is this idea of being open-handed. You know, we had a conversation in the MXU teams channel yesterday about somebody struggling with how to be open-handed with your art. Because sometimes the leader thinks, I need to be the guy to do this, but I also need to empower my volunteers, and right. it might only get to 85 or 90% of what I would bring, but what's the value in me being open-handed and pouring into other people and all that? So just you know, talk for a minute about, especially from your perspective, but from Philo's perspective and from the book, just how important it is to be open-handed. Yeah, man, so hard to do. I mean... I think as a as a tech person learning to be an artist, you uh, you suddenly have to open yourself up to critique and criticism, and you know maybe you're getting that anyway from you know stupid comments that maybe people throw your way. Uh, they don't like the mix or it's too loud, but you know just even your teammates and coworkers and the people from the stage, you know to to um, to fully show up, but then be ready to kind of receive that yeah, I I could use more of this or that, or, you know, you know, just people critiquing your art. I think the, um, Dave, oh, I've forgotten his name. The guy who runs the yellow box church in Naperville, Illinois does Dave Ferguson, Dave Ferguson, Dave Ferguson talks about, um, it's like riding a bike. We have excellence is one pedal on the bike and development is the other pedal. And so Mm. there's a, instead of thinking about, you know, the whole open-handed thing to say, I can do this the best and I don't want to let it go versus developing somebody else doesn't mean that you're necessarily sacrificing excellence, but you're pushing on the pedal. You know, you can't push out on both at the same time. You won't go anywhere. And so to be able to, I mean, maybe part of it is understanding when do I push on excellence? When do I develop someone, you know, and that you're always kind of, that's what's helping you move forward. Um, 
What a great word picture. That's yeah. such yeah. a such a great image, man. And I think too, you just I mean, maybe it's just because I'm getting older, you know, just just being the best at one thing f- doesn't feel like enough. And well, maybe let me back up. I don't think I'll ever be the best at any one thing. It's just not how I'm wired up. But to develop other people to fill that, you know, when I think about when I look back on my life and I can pick out the people that have that were willing to be developed by me and see what they're what they're doing and what their life is about. Like I would rather do that all day long than just be known as being the best X, Y, or Z. Um, and I would even think for like I'm just thinking for you, Lee. I mean, there are people in your life that you've poured into and now have become, you know, something really amazing as humans and as tech people. And that feels way more rewarding than just being really good at one thing. Yeah, it, it for sure does. But it also, you have, I have to be careful to go like, well, well, I'd like to mix elevation. Right. Yeah. You know, it's like, yeah, I help mentor Corey, but man, is that, I mean, I wonder if he'll let me sub for him once, you know? So that, but, I think that's just human nature too, but sure. But you're totally right. It is definitely like when you can look back at the list of, you know, people that have been in your life that you've helped, it's like, there's nothing that beats that. Yeah. yeah. And I would agree. Yeah. It's the hardest thing ever to let go of stuff that, Oh yeah. I mean, I, it, I, I'm my, I'm wrapped up in it in some way, my personality, my, what matters to me and, yeah, to watch somebody else take it over and do better, maybe. Yep, Eesh, totally. It's tough. Totally it's tough. <laughs> and like Jeff was saying, it, this happened yesterday. We have a we have a private Slack channel for our team subscribers, and uh, one of the guys. The scenario was he's the he's producing the services, and he, so he's leading the technical ministry, but he's calling the show, calling the service, okay. and he has great front of house engineers, but he likes mixing. He just likes it, right? Okay. And he's sure, like, well, yeah. I, I mean, I want to, I want to continue to get better. So how do I make space for my own desire to just scratch an itch with a hobby? Maybe when you've got killer front of house guys and I'm the leader of the team, that's a tough one. Right. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Cause part of it is if you're, well, I mean, it, part of it is trying to figure out what am I good at? What am I, where should I be serving? And yeah, maybe that, the joy that you get from mixing needs to be a part of your life. And so do it once a month or once every six weeks yep. and not, and be okay with it. Yep. Uh, versus feeling guilty that you're, that you never get a chance or, um, gosh, or the same, do, do it. The same thing is happening with worship leaders. If you think about that, right. Totally. Yeah. That yeah. one and the ageism thing comes to play there. Right. It's, you have a worship leader, in their fifties, just not wanting to develop anyone. And you just see them. I, I call it age poorly, you know, right. It's yeah, like, right. you're not mm-hmm. doing a great job. You're playing a young man's game. I I'm not saying a 55 year old worship leader is not awesome. That's not what I'm saying, but right. We've right. definitely seen those where we're going, he should have stopped doing this 10 years ago. Right. He's a great leader. Could be an executive role in an organization having more impact. So I, I don't think it's just technical people. I think it's just a, it's human nature. So I'm uh, really into uh, soccer uh, at the moment, football uh, around the world. And Lionel Messi, who's maybe considered the greatest player of all time. Yeah. He's 33, which is right on the, you know, you're starting, like your most careers are over by then. 
I mean, can you imagine that? You're the best in the world at something and it's time you need to figure out how to transition to something else. Yeah. I mean, I, but you've been living your whole life. Yeah. Like I'm the greatest. I'm working at becoming the greatest. Yep. I and see you've that got with 50, you've got 50 years to go in your life. It's right, like, yeah. it's not like he's 63. I mean, he's yeah, 33. Yeah. 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 Oh my gosh. Well, it, this happens with athletes. You know, we'll see an athlete have a 20 year career in the NFL or even the NBA. And they're like, I'm finally retiring. And then summer and they hang the Jersey up. And then in September they're, they're on TV and they're hired by ESPN to commentate on basketball. I'm like, do you, do you know how I'm going to take it? You're so rich. <laughs> right. Yeah. Why don't you just go vacation for five years? Right. Yeah. So I, they can't you do, do it. anything. They're like, oh, yeah. I can't sit still. It's like, I lo- yeah, love, they love their families. They're super wealthy, but they want to contribute. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Moving Man. on down. Uh, right. The second part of the book. Uh, actually, this one yes. was still in the first, uh, first one, and you have a funny story about it. Uh, there's a chapter okay. called wait five minutes, then freak out. Sure. Yeah. That, <laughs> that is serious right there. Yeah. This, this save this little mantra. I, you know, I can remember, I remember where I was when I, I thought the phrase, uh, but basically we were meeting in a high school and stuff would happen us all the time. Like a, a custodian would oversleep. And so we can't get in the building on time. We would meet like at four forty-five in the morning, you know, to do setup. And we had it, we had just enough time to get it done. And so it's like, there's not time for uh, somebody to oversleep or whatever. And, um, <laughs> four forty-five. if you're not up by then, that's just lazy. Right. right. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, that, uh, you know, so we'd meet with the team kind of by the, by our semi trailers and, uh, you know, can't get in the, in the door and the whole team's freaking out. Uh, everybody's like, what are we going to do? Oh my gosh. And I'm just thinking, I would really love to lose it right now. Like that's what I'm feeling inside. And I'm pretty sure that's not going to help anything. And so what the team needs is for me to just hold it together. And so if I wait five minutes, we'll like in five minutes, we're going to do our best to solve the problem. And then after five minutes, I'm going to lose it. Like I'm just going to (laughs) absolutely, you know, go, go berserk. And I want to say every time I, I would be, faced with something like that, in five minutes, a solution would be found. The custodian shows up. We find an unlocked door. Uh, you know, we just, we, we come up with a solution. And um, yeah, it's something that's really, uh, it's saved me so many times when, you know, when things aren't going right or in a rehearsal or whatever, you're just like, oh gosh, I just want to uh, lose it. Yeah. Just stay calm for five minutes and think clearly. And then Side note, some people say count to 10. You're saying count yeah. to 300. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, and, yeah, count, yeah. And it doesn't mean, though, don't have a sense of urgency when you need it. Totally. You know, totally. Right. these are different scenarios. So I, I, I just saw someone recently. There's a bunch of communicators waiting on microphones, like for a big video shoot. And... Uh-huh we're trying to start filming in just a few minutes, like five minutes and no one's got mics on yet. And he's moving pretty slow and he's pretty yeah, calm. Yeah. And I'm in my head, I'm going, it appears as if this isn't going to happen on time. Right. But right. you know, it's 
10 microphones. He's got five minutes. There's probably enough time. But just yeah. because it didn't feel like he was urgent was the wrong yeah. thing. You know, I'm like, just act right. like that. This is important to you because this is important to them. Yeah, it's it's an interesting dynamic of having that sense of urgency without causing panic. Yeah. You know, it's like I had a guy, I think I talked about it in the book, who ran everywhere, you know, doing setup, whatever. He's running everywhere <laughs> yeah. and he's sweating like crazy and everybody's looking at him like, should I be running? What? Why is he running? What's <laughs> going on? You know, so it's sort of his manicness kind of leaked out into the whole team and like, it doesn't need to be like this. Right. Yeah. Anytime I'm doing a training, I'll always talk about, I don't want people to ever see me run and I don't want people to ever hear me yell. Yeah. It's like, if I can just keep a sense of, you know, intensity and urgency, but calmly doing what we need to do, it's, yeah. it's amazing how contagious that is. Yeah. There was uh, one thing that I keep, keeps popping in my head, maybe is more of a funny story than remaining calm, but I was doing an event at Willow Creek. It was a conference and we had talked in production meetings like, hey, the speaker for this session needs a basketball scoreboard. So just one of those tabletop scoreboards as a prop and it needs to be set to this score, you know, with so many seconds left on the clock. <clears throat> and I'm like, yeah, 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 sure. You know, write it down or whatever. And then we're in the worship set right before that speaker comes up and the producer calls back to the booth. Hey, Todd, just checking in. Are we all set with that basketball scoreboard? You bet. <laughs> uh, and I hung up the phone. Oh my gosh, I totally <laughs> forgot about this basketball scoreboard. And so I went running out of the booth. And at that time, uh, Willow had a gymnasium. Like, I think I know where those things are. Like I found one, I plugged it in. It works. I'm running through the lobby I and mean, you know, this is oh my it's like a quarter of a mile run, you know, with this basketball thing and like people watching me go by like, oh boy, that doesn't look good. Yep. Anyway, I got it on the table, plugged in, scored and like walked right out with the, with the teacher, like right as he was going out. And, um, <laughs> I just, it's, it's maybe an extreme example, but the producer was never freaking out, which didn't affect the teacher, you know, it just, but that's a great sort of testimony to your ability as a producer, stage manager, you know, facilitator, because for the last couple of years, you and I have been on site together at the Passion Conference at the same location. And there have been several similar opportunities for you to exercise those muscles, um, whether it was in Dallas or in Atlanta last year. And uh, I just want to say props to you for keeping that, um, Skill set handy. Yeah, right. Yeah. It, it has served you really well. <laughs> I'm good. I'm not good at many things, but that's like staying staying calm is one of my. Uh, I think it's a spiritual gift. Whether I should be calm or not is maybe a different question to ask. But there's another uh, a chapter in the book, and I use this example from you many okay. times a year. I feel like, and it's get someone else to say no. Oh right. And it's the story of you being in Europe at a conference. And we'll yeah. talk about that. Yeah. So uh, this was back in the days. I mean, there, the internet did exist, uh, but it was not something that was super prevalent. And so we we were in Germany and the teacher was like, hey, I would love to show our the baptism service from last Sunday. So it was like just a few days earlier. Well, now it's like a joke. You could totally do it. But back then it was like, oh my gosh, how do technically, how do we do that? And how, what would the process be? And so I started asking I told him, I said, well, I'll see what we can do. So 
that that's the first thing was that I didn't say yes and I didn't say no. I just said, let me look into it because I don't know the answer. So that's kind of the first step. Yeah. So then I started asking the experts and our, the IT guy for Willow Creek was on the trip and he's like, oh, he started doing stuff. Okay, yeah, we could totally do this and blah, blah, blah. And I said, no, look, slow down. What what does it really mean for us? It was like, well, it's the middle of the night there. So we got to wake somebody up to to start downloading this, you know, find the thing and download it and, you know, push it over here, whatever. I said, okay, let me just make sure that this is something that matters this much that we need to wake somebody up. Because I'm thinking if it is, I'm willing to wake somebody up. If you're telling me this is the most important thing, I will do it. But I'm thinking if it's not the most important thing, we're going to probably wake up the spouse. Yep. And she is not going to be happy. Right. And there's already enough kind of distance between kind of the leader and his people. And this is going to be a ding on his reputation. I would rather him tell me he wants to ding the reputation than me assume that I should be waking people up and making this happen and just like going crazy. And so I went back and I said, hey, we can totally do it. It's totally feasible. This is what it means. Waking somebody up and, you know, we whatever the other things were. And he said, oh, don't worry about it. It was just an idea, which I, so he's basically saying no yeah. for him, for his own idea. And I think so often as tech people, we assume if somebody has an idea that it needs to be executed when number one, uh, it doesn't, it's just an idea. So nobody really understands the ramifications production wise of what they're mm. asking. That's why we're there. And so they really need us to say, here's what it means. Do you still want to do it? Yep. Um, There's also a trust piece there to like, does that person trust me? Do I trust them? Like if, if, if he was going to say, we got to do it, I'm all in. I'm, and he needs to know that I will do whatever. Um, But I also need to know he's going to say, ah, don't worry about it. It's not, it's not that big a deal. Um, Yeah. The opposite can happen too. Sometimes, you know, we can be asked like, Hey, I had this idea. I don't know. You know, I want to put a life-size apple on stage. Uh, can you just maybe track that down? And then you're like, yeah, yeah okay. And then you assume, I'm not going to go do that. Like, he's never, <laughs> right. like, a, clearly the tone was not, like, something he really cared about. Right. And then a week later, he's like, hey, so do we got that apple? <laughs> How's that apple coming? <laughs> and you're like, oh, you uh, you were, you were serious. <laughs> and then you find out like, oh my gosh, the message doesn't work without this illustration. Right. So you really have to ask those types of questions in every scenario. Cause even like right. you, you discovered, he was like, oh, it's just an idea. But yeah. just by asking a question, you don't know whether it's, is this an idea or is this a deal breaker? You don't know. Right. Yeah. I think too, the other thing that's really interesting about kind of asking more questions is that most ideas get better from a little bit of back and forth and pushing on things mm-hmm. to get to what are we really trying to accomplish? Yep. And maybe right. we can whittle it down to that. Or you might of, be able to guide it to a better idea. Right. Exactly. And so I feel like uh, always coming back with a couple of questions and really trying to clarify is yeah so useful for everyone. Um, That's yeah, great. To make the idea better. So that brings me to one of my favorite chapters of the book, and it's about communication, and it's about translating all this, all this stuff into the best plan, and it's the idea about becoming a linguist. 
Talk uh, for a minute about what that means. Yeah. So basically, uh, we kind of have our own language as tech people. We can speak in numbers and and you know code words or whatever, and we all kind of understand what we're talking about. Especially if you're really deep into audio or video or lighting, you know you could talk about uh, the microphones and all this stuff just using uh, lingo, and nobody really understands it. Uh, and I used to get really frustrated that nobody really understood my world and. The reality was they didn't understand it because I wasn't explaining it well. And so part of it became, I need to be better at what does my senior pastor need to hear? Like, how does he need to hear this information? What's the best, what are the best words I could use to explain it? Um, and whether it's your worship leader or a children's pastor or whatever, to be able to talk in a language that they understand. Um even for me, it's like, what is our, what matters to our church? Like if I'm, you know, great example, if I'm trying to, to get, um, a new soundboard with more channels or whatever, that by itself makes total sense to us on the production side, but nobody in leadership cares about more channels. So it needs to be more about what is more channels going to do for our services? Right. Hmm. What's it going to do for our church? How's it going to help our church accomplish the mission? And yeah, it's just, it's, it's my job to figure out how to put my stuff in a language other people can understand. That can be humbling too, when you go through that exercise, because then like executive pastors, that is the question they ask, right? Yeah. Like, okay, what, what is the Waves Studio Classics bundle going to do for our people in this weekend, the first weekend you use it? And your answer is, yeah, I mean, the worship's just going to feel more warm and punchy and, you know, the mids will be scooped and we'll, rips, you know, it's like, that's not a good answer. Right. Yeah. I mean, it is a good answer, but not for the executive pastor. No, it's not at all. Uh, you exactly. have, Why do I need my mid scooped? Yeah, I don't. Yeah. And I think the same principle applies to communication between teams too, not just to outsiders of technology, but even between the tech team and the worship team. Um, one of my favorite stories from the Tomlin days was one day our drummer walked up to our monitor engineer and said, man, everything sounds really good, but can you make my mix feel more organic? <laughs> and yeah. Kyle was like, um, I don't have a sort of farm to table, shade grown, single source <laughs> EQ here. It's a f- Do you want- no, farm to fader, Jeff. <laughs> farm to fader. Yeah, that's right. But are, are you saying you want like less... You know, minus three dB at 2K or what do you, so, you know, when we use words like punchy and thin and harsh and tubby and warm, organic, it's like, what, how do we translate those terms to things that we each understand? So I think that idea of things getting lost in translation is such an important piece of the communication puzzle. I think too, the, for me, the, there was a revelation somewhere in my earlier years that like nobody understands me and I feel misunderstood and all this stuff. And the reality is that for this all to work, what we're doing for, for us to work, you know, for uh, artists on stage and artists behind consoles and all these people working together to make a service happen, we all have to be different for us to come together and all of our gifts kind of make something that's amazing. And so the reality is that, um, the worship leader is never going to, chances are never going to describe what his mix should sound like in ways that make sense to you. 
because he's wired differently than you mm-hmm. and he thinks about the world differently than you or she thinks about the world differently than you. And so, yeah, it's up to all of us, not just us as tech people, but all of the different teams to try to understand each other. And I love what you say, Lee, you know, it's like, uh, this is a version of don't, uh, don't tell your guitar player to turn his amp down unless you know his kids' names. Yeah. Like it's just, this is part of, yeah, just trying to understand each other a little more. And it, it's, it's certainly a linguistic thing, but it's also, uh, just a human thing yeah. that, that we need to be better at understanding each other. Well, and the best way to do that is to have that relational capital. Yeah, you know, and yep. so it's it's more about what happens in the in the green room or on an offsite or at an event that you're just having fun than it is what happens in rehearsal or the heat of the moment of the service or whatever. Right, because the minute you hear like, "Can you make my mix more organic?" If you have history in the green room and on the bus and whatever, that that you know you can have some fun with that. Yeah, yeah. Versus if you don't have any of that history, then you're just like, "This guy drives me insane." Um, yeah, that means yeah, I like got the opposite of so I got to go Guitar Center, but then on the way back, I clearly got to go to Whole Foods and pick something up. <laughs> well, yeah, I don't know what. Maybe they'll know. They'll have somebody there that can help me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay, so part three in the book is all about leadership, and the last chapter is lead yourself, which is yeah. probably the most important at the end of the day to me. Yeah, talk about that. Yeah, that was a tough one to write, I have to say, because I'm not necessarily the best at leading myself. Uh, but the reality is that if I'm, I was going to say damaged goods, if I, if I have not taken care of myself, I can't, I'm the least effective version of myself I can be. So I, I would stink at leading. I would stink at sitting behind a console and, you know, hearing somebody say, can you make my mix more organic? Like I've just, <laughs> if I'm not leading myself, I'm setting myself up for failure in those situations. And so, yeah, for me, it was just kind of looking at, uh, I want to say this is just kind of from memory, but like eat better, exercise, have a hobby, uh, go home, uh, yeah. don't kill yourself at work. Uh, you know, there's more to this than just getting stuff done. And I think that some of that's the hardest to do to, to say no to things. I mean, anybody can oh, we, I think as a group, we, we've proven pretty well we're, we're, we say yes too much. So saying no is really, that's the thing to be, uh, you know, that we need to learn how to do to, to lead ourselves. Say no to, um, yeah, staying at work too long or say no to bad habits or whatever. Um, yeah, I just, and I was talking to an old friend the other day and she she kind of helped uh, proofread the book and all this stuff. And she said, Oh yeah, you know what? I love that chapter about lead yourself and get a hobby. And she's single and she's been single for a long time and she just had her roommate move out. And so she's living alone and she has no reason to go home. So she works too much. She works like all the time at church. And she's like, I thought I need to get a hobby. So she got a dog, you know, I need to let the dog out. I need to, take the dog for a walk. You know, like it's a reason to get me home yep. instead of That's just saying, ah, you know what, I'll, they'll be fine at home or, you know, uh, and I'll, I'll just stay and work another couple hours. Um, I think, I mean, you guys know there are times to work really hard, but I think if I was left to my own devices, I would always work too hard. Um, and so yeah, I just need reasons to walk away from 
this thing that I love so that I'm better at it when I come back. Um, I'm sure you didn't plan on this, but uh, Winston Churchill uh, used to say he was a painter uh, and he used to use it as an escape from all the pressures of World War II and all this stuff that even driving in the car, he would look at something and like, oh, that tree's really interesting. All the different colors of green and how would I paint that? And then it would be gone. And just those kind of small escapes from the realities of his life helped him to kind of rejuvenate. And I think that's another great thing about having a hobby is that it just kind of gets you out of always thinking about, oh man, how am I going to, uh, you know, fix this problem at work or right. you know, get this dialed in better or totally, which are, none of those are bad things, but that's really good. Um, yeah. And it's tough for us too, because if I would say for the majority of us, this started as a hobby totally that we totally. liked. So what happens when the hobby becomes a responsibility and some parts of it aren't fun anymore? It's like, well, right. you need another hobby. Yeah. My, uh, when I first started working at the church, I worked seven days a week. I loved every second of yep. it. Then my, at the time, fiance moved up, uh, from Atlanta and she's like, uh, no, we're not doing this seven days a week thing. And I'm like, but it's, you know, we're changing the world. It's like, I don't care. Yeah. <laughs> uh, to, I mean, she didn't say that, but at one point, uh, she, we were at a midweek service and I was like wrapping cables at the end of the night. And I see her make a beeline for the senior pastor. And I'm like, Oh my gosh, this is not going to be good. So I turned around and wrapped the cable with my back to the, <laughs> to what was about to happen. I'm like, I can't watch. And she basically read him the riot act. You're working my husband too hard, blah, blah, blah. You know, just like kind of laid into him. And he, he like listened at the end of it. He's like, you know what? Nobody's asking him to work this many hours this hard. Uh, and he, I mean, his, his words were like, he needs to be a man and say no. And ouch, man, yeah. that hurt. Cause now I can't blame anybody. It's my, you know, this is on me Yeah, and mm -hmm. it's on all of us. And, uh, yeah, it's, I just wasn't speaking up. Um, and yeah, it's up to me to say this is too much or I got to take a break or need a hobby to walk away man that's good so well speaking of spouses um yeah you the elliots are now the first couple to both be on the mxu podcast oh there you go that's right so <laughs> your wife which was her episode's a lot better than this one so sorry right. Ab no absolutely. absolutely absolutely no doubt. i just yeah. look she's episode 20 uh we did oh, a, there you we go. did a panel at wfx one year and she was on the panel with oh, right. worship leader, creative pastor, senior pastor, and she was representing the spouse of a technical artist, and yeah. she stole the show. She was amazing, is amazing. Yeah, she is. Still awesome. is currently amazing. That's good. <laughs> you know, it's funny, though. If you guys haven't listened to that episode, you need to go back and listen, because what Todd was saying at the beginning about just how the chaos of Christmas and those big events impact the family Bissy speaks specifically to that and gives some great tips from their family on how to basically look at the calendar and prepare and prepare the kids and strategize around those times in a really effective way. She's great. And you guys, you know, have had to work through that 
many years and multiple ways and a lot of times. Yeah. And so she's got great wisdom. So go back to episode 20 and check that out. And your kids came out great. One of them's TikTok famous. I mean, yeah. It's... How's he doing, by the way? We Last time we saw you in person, you said, yeah, my oh son my is gosh. TikTok famous. Yeah, and that I was, I mean, that, it. back when we were still able to travel. So that was uh, yeah. kind of way back at the beginning of all this. That was our last event. Yeah. So he, uh, yeah, he's still, he's still at it. I mean, you know, uh, two and a half million followers on TikTok, and I think sixty million views now. Oh his uh, his one crazy. little thing, and he, uh, yeah, it's. He, I mean, gets a check from Spotify once a month uh, for more than most eighteen-year-old kids I know, and uh, <laughs> than all eighteen-year-old uh, kids you know. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and yeah, his, so he's yeah, I mean, he's got I don't know seventy-five thousand followers on Instagram now, and. Yeah, so he's he's uh, he's enjoying it. It's sort of, uh, yeah, it's it's wild. Yeah, it I, is. I don't know. Yeah, he, I do not understand the world we live in. I just want to say that right no. off the well, bat. Yeah, just like every now and then, you're like, is that a new shirt you're wearing? Oh yeah, somebody sent it in the mail. I'm gonna wear it in the next video. And so he's getting all kinds of, yeah. you know, just endorsement things like that. He did a since the last time we talked. Uh, this is gonna just show my age. So Jason Derulo. Yeah. He called Carson. Shut and up! Was like, let's do something together. And so they did a, they did a cover of somebody's song, on TikTok. The two of them. And well, his first, just, Jason's first big single. The melody on it was a saxophone line. Oh, really? That's what made him. <laughs> oh, interesting. That song kind of pop. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, and then uh, I think somewhere along the way, Lady Gaga's manager reached out. Um, nothing came from that, but. You know, they're like, can you do a talk box, which is his thing, the talk box? Yeah. Or it, that's what made him famous on TikTok. Yeah. He doesn't, it's not his, he still does it, but it's not his main thing. He's more into the music. But wow. Well, Lady Gaga's manager has never called me. So yeah. <laughs> he's got not. one up on all of us. Totally. Man. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So we want to transition from talking about the book a little bit. Uh, since we have you for the whole episode. Yep. We need to get you um, to kind of be our guest appearance on one of our most favorite segments, Turn Down for MXU. Yeah. So you've got a conference that you do full of, you know, a couple thousand technical people. And yep. <laughs> it opens with a, a worship set. Yeah. You're just begging for the opinions. <laughs> I mean, well, and the funniest the funniest thing to me is that the guys who are concerned about this segment that we do and love it because of how ridiculous the comments are uh-huh. are making ridiculous comments to you <laughs> and your team. Yeah. So you need to be able to share with us a few of the uh, turned down for Philo uh, <laughs> comments that you've gotten. <laughs> yes, uh, yeah, it it is interesting. So we usually start off. Um, the Philo conference with, Hey, um, we've designed this for you. You don't have to worry about anything. So like we try to help people get it out of their system, like, uh, listen and be critical and then put it away. Um, which, you know, is impossible uh, for people to do. And so, um, anyway, we're looking right now for an actual quote that I can read, but the, uh, yeah, we're, I love the mix at, at Philo in the main sessions, you know, uh, Ryan does a great job. Ryan is a volunteer and he loves doing it. He's a sound designer, uh, for his normal job. And so loves doing live 
mixing, but doesn't get a chance to do it. Anyway, uh, I love how it sounds and I love that he gets to kind of express himself, but it doesn't make everybody happy. And, so you're the senior um, pastor of Philo. You're like, well, I, well, I like it. <laughs> I like it. That's all that matters. Yeah. Um, and you know what? I would say too, there's, um, you know, I have the senior pastor at Kensington used to say like, I don't want people to be distracted by the audio. Yeah. Like I want them to be, I want them, I don't want them to be offended by the sound. I want them to be offended by Jesus. So I'm like, okay, I, I can get behind that. But uh, yeah, it's amazing how many people, even at a tech conference, we can offend with too much low end or yeah. uh, or whatever. How funny would it be if you like did a fake start that it was like actually bad? Like yeah. lyrics were misspelled. Right, lighting, yeah. lighting was like <laughs> not so bad that people knew that they were being punked. But like, yeah. like what? It, and then you stop at like the second verse. You're like, hey. We were just kidding. Just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's funny because there was a service, uh, this goes back a long time where we, uh, at church where we did like the opening number was full of mistakes and they just kept getting worse and worse and like more and more ridiculous. And, uh, it was the hardest thing we'd ever done. You know, just like to plan, okay, to plan feedback happens, up. needs to happen right here. And yeah. you know, it was also before <laughs> the days you could like kind of record most everything and just play it back. Yeah. Yeah, it was. Uh, yeah, I'm like, so I'm I'm sour to the idea of trying to do it, do mistakes because it's hard to do things that are obvious enough. And uh, yeah, we rehearsed the crap out of that thing. Well, and there's so much pressure, you know. <laughs> yeah, I, I was mixing uh, at the VU conference in Miami uh, last summer, and their conference opener. I thought this was brilliant. They they start with playing a video of them sitting around their office talking about how important conference openers are. So the uh, whole bit of the opener was like the stereotypical conference opener. Okay. We, yeah. we need to start like dark and ominous and blue lights and low lying fog. And, and then, Oh, we got to have the uh, moment of a cover <laughs> tune. And it like cuts to a canned cover tune. It was, it was awesome. Yeah. And then it was like, no, the point <laughs> of this is for you to connect with God. And it was like yeah. a perfect segue into worship. I'm like, <laughs> yeah. thank you for doing that. That's great. All right, here we go. You ready? I got one. Yes. Love it. So this is an actual response from uh, last year's Philo. And uh, it says, and I quote, I would love to have Lee or Andrew from MXU do the audio mix. No way. <laughs> no way. I'm not joking. I feel the in-house audio mixer was subpar from what we heard in MXU. It was a bit distracting and somewhat of a letdown. <laughs> Speaking of letdowns, <laughs> my name wasn't on that list. <laughs> oh my gosh. Come on, guys. Oh, well, this man. is different when we, you know, we usually get other people's complaints, but now this one's about <laughs> Jeff and Philo right? all in the same. Man, that's a double whammy. Yeah, that's so funny. Uh, I'm I'm hurt. Well, I guess I'm mixing Philo next year. Yeah. Well, we'll I make sure I'm, that it's I guess all... I'm not even going. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and we'll make sure it's all pre-recorded, tracked, and something that you've worked on for a few hours before you got right. there. Right, totally. Yeah. Yeah. I would actually, if you asked me to mix there, I don't think I would. Yeah. <laughs> it would be very it hard. It would be. You know, it, it is, it's interesting. So for me, my... Um, Back when we were doing Gurus of Tech, it was a free conference uh, just because of how it was all working. And 
it's a long story. Anyway, we used to get comments, you know, like this, this, I didn't like the mix or whatever. And I used to think, well, don't come next time. Like it was free. If you don't like it. Yeah. Sorry. And I, it's certainly not the same feeling I have at Philo, but there is definitely a sense like we're not going to please everyone. And, uh, I feel like, and you guys probably feel similarly about MXU. It's like, what do I like? And I, that's becomes the gauge for how I make decisions. Yeah. Um, totally. Instead of trying to guess what we should be doing and what do other people like and how do we be cool and hip and whatever. No, it's like, okay, what, what, what would I want this to be? And let's do that. And if it doesn't succeed, then let's revisit it. Yeah. But um, I feel like, you know what? Brian does a great job mixing and it's not going to please everyone. No, so, no, it yeah. wouldn't. Even yeah. if it was Jeff, which people clearly don't want, they would say <laughs> clearly. the same thing. Obviously. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They'd be like, wow, Tomlin paid that guy? Chris Tomlin. What I love, though, about your approach is that here's a guy who's a volunteer at his church. Yeah. Like, that's the whole point. It's here's a guy who serves, and we're talking about how you build your team through serving with them. And so yeah. why wouldn't you focus on that, yeah. even if it's not? you know, what everybody would prefer in the best sort of contemporary rock and roll mix ever. It's not yeah. the point. And I think too, it's, um, the reality is what, with what we do, nothing's perfect. It can't be perfect. Um, and well, it's so, so subjective anyway. Yeah. And so, okay, we we want it to be the best it possibly can be something that we like, and that's all we can do. And, um, and be okay with the fact that, it offends some people and some people don't like it. Some people love it. Well, I've, I've been offended by this podcast, so I would like to end it <laughs> <laughs> in all seriousness. Oh, we'll, we'll wrap cause we know you got stuff to do and I got to go troubleshoot zoom for my kids probably. Right. <laughs> yeah, that's good. Yeah. No, this has been so great. We can't thank you enough for being here. So what what's next for you guys? What other than the Philo and Espanol, which if you have a Spanish speaking uh, church that you're uh, affiliated with or, you know, somebody yeah. who would benefit from that, how do how do people connect with that first of all? And then what's next for you guys? Yeah, so if they go to our website philo.org, uh, there all the stuff is there that we the the entire in Espanol page is in Spanish. And so I don't know what it says, but um, you know, if you're if you know some people that speak Spanish, the it's all all the information's there. Twenty four breakouts, I think we're doing. That's amazing. And four main sessions, and yeah, it should be great. Looking forward to we and and if you go to a church that maybe partners with a church in Latin America as something that your church is giving money to, we have a couple of churches here in the Chicago area that are sponsoring. I think one church is sponsoring 30 tech people from the Dominican Republic to attend. And so, uh, yeah, that's just one of the things we have going on. If, so if your church falls into that category, um, yeah, I think there's there's some ministry to be had in Latin America with uh, technical artists. And you guys know just from traveling to different churches, different countries, like thinking about Sweden. Okay, we don't speak Swedish, but the tech people in Sweden are pretty much exactly like you and exactly. me. Exactly. Like, 100%. They, they speak it, you know, their the language they speak is different, but they're they're tech people, they understand yep. our world. You can make jokes about dressing in black and they get it. Their um, Midas consoles crash so, like ours. Right, yeah. 
So, uh, yeah, in Latin America, it's the exact same thing. So, um, yeah, so that's our more immediate thing going on. And then otherwise, we're, you know, we're trying to figure out what is what does file look like in the, you know, the season that we're in with COVID and what does that mean for next year? And so, yeah, we're, we're in the planning stages for next year's conference and hopefully we'll be in person, but we're also planning in case we're not. Right. So it's great. Yeah. yeah. Well, congratulations again on the book. I think it's yeah, great. Thanks. Another thing I love about it for those of you who don't have it yet, but need to get it. Every chapter ends with a series of discussion questions. So for you to go through this book with your team, and just to unpack some of these ideas with the people that you lead is a brilliant way to approach this. And so I'm, I'm just grateful for you, Todd, and can't wait to hear stories of what comes out of this as people process some of these concepts. I think it's awesome. Yeah, thanks. One thing too, just that idea of going through with your teams. If you go to our website, philo.org slash book, you can order 10 or more at a discounted price. So if you wanted to get it for your teams, you can get it there. Otherwise it's available on Amazon. Um, we're working on the audiobook version. We're just waiting for approval, but that should be out soon also. That's great. That's great. If you need any uh, funny commentary to go along with that book, you just holler. <laughs> yeah, or, hey, if, if you need a good if you need a good voice for the book, I've been told that I have a good speaking voice, and I right. obviously won't be mixing anywhere anytime soon because of your Philo tribe. So if I could fill in for you as an audiobook yeah. talent, I'd be glad to. All right, guys. It's been good. Cool. Thank you for having me. It's been great. Awesome. Thanks, Todd.